Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Are you ready for the word? I'm on assignment this morning because I know you're in a series where you're talking about prayer. And what a wonderful thing to be talking about at the beginning of the year. You know, people make all kinds of resolutions at the beginning of the year. Most of them are already dead. Not the people. The resolution. Most of them don't even make it to the gym, you know, more than after January. They're done. Um, but what a, great, what a great decision to be able to say as a church, you know, we've got to get one thing right as we enter into a new year, and that is our prayer life. Because prayer is just so important. And we all know that prayer is basically the foundation of our relationship with Christ. Uh, we, we begin our whole journey of faith through a simple prayer. So simple, but so powerful. That one prayer that says, God help. <laughs> you can put it whatever way you want to put it, but it's basically, God, I give up. I need Jesus. And that one prayer begins the foundation of our entire relationship. And prayer remains the foundation of our relationship all the way while we're here on planet Earth. Show me a prayerless believer and I'll show you a weak believer. Show me a prayerful believer and I'll show you a man, a woman, a young person that is walking with God and seeing phenomenal things happen in their lives. Prayer always has been, always will be the very foundation of our Christian experience. Not church. Not how well we worship in church. Not just how many hours we spend reading the Word of God. But what is our posture of prayer? How thirsty are we? As Pastor Lois was sharing prophetically earlier on, how thirsty are we for the very presence of God? When we take away the lights, when we take away the camera, when we take away the musicians, and it's just you. <laughs> how thirsty are you? How often do you just sit there and say, God, I need you. God, I love. Prayer is the foundation of everything that we do, everything that we are. Romans 12 verse 2, I think it's a powerful verse in the message, says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, the message says this, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. I love that. Being a believer is not about trying harder. It's about drawing closer. I used to go camping when I was little, and I learned very, very early, if you were camping in winter, then you needed an external force. You needed an external um, you, you know, source of heat. And you know, we'd get up early, we'd light the fire, and you had a choice. You could either try and get warm yourself, which is hard work, jumping up and down, rubbing your legs, doing all that kind of stuff, trying to get warm yourself, or you could simply go to the fire. And if you stood close enough to the fire, and if you were just close enough proximity to that external force, then the heat that was in the fire did the work that would take you forever to do yourself. And I think it's a picture of how we're supposed to live our lives. Not trying harder, not working longer, but actually drawing closer. 
Some people would say, I want to know God more. Some would say, you know, boy, I, I, I want to be able to break free of this habit. I want to sense the presence of God more. I need this. I want to be like that. Well, can I tell you, let's start in the place of prayer. The answer to most of our struggles is being close to the presence of God. Because as we're close to the presence of God, we are changed by His presence. We understand that prayer is the powerhouse and the strength of every church. Show me a strong church, a thriving church, an influential church, and I'll show you a church that has a foundation of prayer. It's not about the lights. It's not about the camera. It's not about the action. It's about what is the foundation of that church's heartbeat. And I want to tell you, it's always, has been, always will be, they're a praying church. I love a preacher once said, hey, you can tell how popular the preacher is by how many people come to the weekend service. You can tell how popular Jesus is by how many people come to the prayer meeting. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I want to tell you, as you as a church move into 2023, whenever there's a call for prayer, corporate prayer, can I encourage you, put every other agenda aside and be there in the room. Be there in the room. Be there in the room when the call to prayer comes out. Because all the other blessing flows from that place. Yes, we do what we need to do in all those other dimensions. But our foundation needs to be a foundation of prayer. But this morning, I don't want to talk so much about the power of prayer in our lives or the power of prayer in the life of the church. I want to focus in more on the power of prayer to bring breakthrough for others. Talking about praying for the breakthrough. Praying for the breakthrough. Because again, as I've mentioned before, we can do all the other things. But without a foundation of prayer, it may all just be self-effort. It may all just be our own works. But when we have a foundation of prayer, particularly when we're talking about reaching out to others, when we have a foundation of prayer, it can bring the spiritual breakthrough that can lead to the transformation of their lives. And I happen to believe that as you pray, it will see, you will see people saved. As you pray, you will see people healed. As you pray, you will see people break free of addictions and break free of things that have been dominating their lives. As you as a church pray, you will see communities transformed. You will see your campuses begin to explode and multiply. You will see the kingdom of heaven start to manifest on planet earth like never, ever before. Now, I know when I declare that up here on the platform, that immediately in many minds, you might be thinking, well, no, no, not, not me, Pastor. I'm not one of those prayer warriors. You know, I haven't had a great success when I pray. But I want to tell you, most of us completely and utterly underestimate the power of our intercessory prayer. We don't realize what is happening in the heavenlies when we are praying before God on our knees in our bedroom. We underestimate it. 
Many, many years ago, God uh, gave us our second home. We moved from a tiny little weather, weatherboard place into a home that was a, one of our dreams, a provision of God. And one of the things that took our breath away was in this home, uh, it was two-story and it had a spa bath. Like, that you might think, okay. No, 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 no. Back then, it had a spa bath. Like, that was awesome. I couldn't believe it. We had a spa bath. And I can remember, you know, for the first, I don't know how long it was, maybe six months, getting into the spa bath and it had a big knob and, you know, you press the knob and you turn it on and, and you got some bubbles. But I can remember being pretty disappointed, thinking, it's all right, but it's not really. I was expecting like, and I can remember sort of just lying there, and I'm thinking, well, I guess it's comfortable and I guess not everybody's got a spa bar, so I should be grateful. Uh, and I can remember for about six months, yeah, this is nice. Um, but then one day I stayed in the bath. It was too hot and I stayed in too long. And uh, as I'm getting out, I, 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 miss, I slipped and I fell backwards. But as I fell backwards, I grabbed the side of the panel. And as I grabbed it, my thumb hit what I had thought was just a blank little panel, but it was actually another button. And as I pressed that button, guess what happened? <laughs> the thing went mad. And I'd been realising all of those months where I'd been sitting there going... I could have been going... I didn't realise the power that was in there. And can I tell you, I think the tragedy is many times with our prayer, we think, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, I, I, I pray for Brother John. I pray for my mom. I pray. Oh, she's sick. And we think, yeah, that's nice. No, 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 no. It might feel nice here on planet Earth. But can I tell you, every time you pray, God is seeing you. God is listening to you. And heaven is moving. And he's not moving nicely. He's moving powerfully. We don't serve the God of... We serve the God of... He's powerful. So I want to share a quick story this morning. It comes from the book of Acts that, 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 that really, it, it, I always laugh when I read this story because the church was completely surprised and astonished when God answered their prayer. Some of you know the story. We've got Peter, who's in prison. King Herod's already angry with the church. He's had James killed. He's now got Peter in prison. He's been guarded by four squads. Highly likely he's not going to survive. Highly likely. So the Bible says that while Jesus was kept in, while Peter was kept in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. That's a good idea. Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel said. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened to them for by itself, and they went through it. And when they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then, everyone say then. then. 
Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this has dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Isn't that an incredible story? I mean, I read it and first off, I'm so glad Peter actually put some clothes on. But I read it and I think, first of all, the, the young girl is just leaves him standing at the door, but then nobody believes that it's Peter. They've all been praying for Peter. They've all been praying for a breakthrough. They've all been there. But when it's happened, they go, no, 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 it, it, it can't be. It must be his spirit. He's dead already. And when they see what God has done, they are astonished. Can I tell you, what was it about their prayer? They didn't know it, but there was something about their prayer and there can be something about your prayer and our prayer that will always catch the attention of heaven. And the first thing is this, breakthrough prayer is always passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. Can I tell you, I believe passion moves heaven and gets God's attention more than theology. When somebody simply cries out to God in a spirit of faith, it catches God's attention. And whether that person has been saved for one week, one month, one year, or one decade, or eight decades, it doesn't matter. God is looking for earnestness in our prayer. And don't tell me that this was passive prayer. Don't tell me that their hearts weren't breaking for Peter. Don't tell me that it wasn't desperate prayer. This was desperate, passionate prayer because they could identify it was Peter, their leader, Peter, the one that they could identify with, Peter, the one who'd already gripped their hearts through relationship. I remember when our kids were growing up, I used to go to the school sports days. If you've ever been there, they can be a bit of a trial. They go on and on and on. There's this race. There's four races for grade two, for you know, all that kind of stuff. You've got to be there for the whole thing. And I kind of, as a polite parent, when all the other races are on, you know, you, you say, yay. Good on you, Johnny. But when it's your kid, when it's your boy, when it's your girl racing, you're that mad parent. You're that one going absolutely right, running along the side. Come on, come on. You're, you're that one if they get a medal. You're the, oh, why? Because you identify with them. You're not passive because, you know, you're just a bystander. No, no, you're committed in this thing. Passionate prayer. Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this story of, of a tax collector and a poor man who goes into the temple. The tax collector, the Bible says, he, he just goes in there and he says, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. You know, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like a tax collector over here. He said, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. And he thought, well, you know, because of all that I do and because of how I approach, well, God, of course you'll accept me. 
But Jesus tells the story, he goes on, he says, but a tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. I believe in ugly prayers. I don't know about you, but COVID, when we were locked down, I thought, well, there's only one thing I know that I can do, and that's spend a little bit of extra time in prayer. And so I locked myself way down in our little basement, and I started to pray. And I'm telling you, the first week, my prayers were pretty polite. <laughs> they were, had a little bit of sprinkling of theology. God, you said, <laughs> I bind and bound in there, bound in, bound there. God, you reign, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, after a week, I got a little bit sick of my, the, my, my you know, religious prayer. And I believe in ugly prayer now. I mean, you, and you know what ugly prayer is. You, you get past all that stuff. You say, oh, God, <laughs> this has gone on long enough. God, I need to see your power. God, show me the hand, the day of your power in my day. God, would you move? And I think when we get to that place, rather than polite theology, we get to a place where God suddenly stands up to attention. He says, boy, now there's, there's something there. There's some faith there. There's something I can connect to right there because there's passion involved in prayer. Jesus prayed with passion. Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Can I tell you, if Jesus wept, if Jesus cried out, oh, God help us, God save us from so much sophistication that we think it's all got to happen in a controlled manner. And the thing about Jesus, where did his passion come from? Why did he cry? Why did he weep? Why did he pray with such prayer? Because he had compassion. He was moved because when he saw the crowds, the Bible said he had compassion. And that wasn't just a feeling of sympathy. If you look at the word that's actually there, that word actually talks about, it, 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 it's so strong. It's talking about he was moved internally. The actual definition is he was moved in his bowels. It was something deep right in his guts. His heart went out and because his heart went out, prayer followed. So can I say to you today, you might say, Pastor, I don't really pray like that. Well, can I encourage you? Ask the Holy Spirit, number one, to give you compassion for those that you're praying for. To give you compassion for the community around about. To give you compassion for that person that you probably crossed the street from because they look a bit deranged. To give you compassion for the, what you see on the news, for the stories that you hear, read in the newspaper. Say, God, let, don't let me become so accustomed to this world and to the brokenness of humanity that I distance myself. God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. And then ask the Holy Spirit to pray through you. Romans 8, 26, 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Can I tell you, friend, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and power, it's not just so that you can be here in church and worship God and then speak in tongues here in church. It's so that you have an incredible source of power in your prayer, in our prayer, in my prayer, when we run out of words, when we run out of wisdom and we don't know what to pray anymore, ask the Holy Spirit and just start praying in the Spirit. And I'm telling you, you're going to tap into a whole new level of authority and a whole new level of clarity. It's His promise to us. Many years ago when my wife was pregnant with our boy, our third boy, and uh, it wasn't going well. In the end, she ended up in hospital for six months of that pregnancy. Uh, sorry, for two months of that pregnancy in bed for six months. Things weren't going well. And I can remember one day she was in hospital. She'd had another major bleed and she'd gone into premature labor. The doctor was saying to her, hey, we, we can't seem to stop this and you're going to deliver the baby, but the baby's going to be too young to survive. And so you need to prepare yourself because this child's going to die and, and they were doing everything they put the IV in they gave all kinds of drugs all the treatment that they possibly had they ran out of options and nothing good was happening in fact it was all going the wrong direction and I remember saying I've just got, I've got to go out I, I'm just got to, I've got to go out and pray and I went out to the car park it was about 5am in the car park of Box Hill Hospital many years ago and I can remember starting with the polite prayers oh God <laughs> oh God help oh God you know stop this you know, stop the labour oh Oh God, we're going to say, this. oh God, this and that. But I'm telling you, you can only pray that for a little while. And after a while, I'm thinking, God, I've already said this. <laughs> I've already said this. So then I started thinking, well, I don't know anything else to do, so I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. So I started quietly in the car park, public place. Then I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's my wife in there. Wait a minute, that's my unborn child in there. And they're telling me it's going to be born and she's going to die. No, I don't think so. So I honestly don't know what I would have looked like. Probably a madman. Probably, I believe in the timing of God. I probably went back inside just as the orderlies had been sent outside to take me away. I have no idea. But I tell you what, by the time I finished praying and I went back into the hospital, guess what? Everything had returning, was returning back to normal. And the doctor later on said, I can't explain that. We were doing everything that we could and nothing was working, but then suddenly everything went back to normal. I'm telling you, your prayer, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will move heaven and earth. Don't survive on brrr, tap into of heaven. Breakthrough prayer is passionate prayer. Breakthrough prayer is persistent prayer. I love it. When this has dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many people had gathered and were praying. Were praying. Not where they came and they had a quick prayer, now they're having coffee. <laughs> not, not now they're you know, just resting for a while. Not now that they're, they're you know, watching a video. Not now that they're you know, just catching a movie. Not, not now anything else. No, no, no. Now they are still praying. They were praying. The hour was late. They had been praying for a long time, but they kept on praying through the night. Can I tell you, there's a key to breakthrough prayer, and it's not just passion. It's learning the art of persistent prayer. 
Do you know what they were saying? As long as Peter is in prison, we will be in prayer. Can I tell you, there are some circumstances in our life, in your life, in our family's lives, in the life of the community, where we've got to learn that to have that same spirit. Where we simply say, as long as that's going on, as long as they are unhealed, as long as they're still bound, as long as that perversion is in our community, we will pray. I will stand at the watchtower and I will pray. I'm moved. We're in Europe a lot now and I'm moved by what's happening with the war Ukraine. Every time I see the footage, I'm, I'm, I'm moved to pray because I know what, what's happening through the churches. Can I tell you, some of the churches in Ukraine are seeing revival. We don't see that on the news, but we hear that of reports of local pastors where they say, you know, so many people left, but now the church, one church we know of, has grown 10 times through the war. Why? Because there's a hunger now that's never been there before. There's a desperation now. And that's when the church needs to stand up. But it doesn't happen without prayer. Some of the pictures that you see and that I see on the news are with the Ukrainian soldiers digging trenches. I marvel at that. They're digging the trenches. I mean, that's a lot of hard slog. Digging the trenches. Digging the trenches. And then they're in the trenches. Can't be pleasant. Can't be pleasant. There's no room service. And it's mighty cold nowadays out in Ukraine. Their food probably isn't very nice. I don't know what they do for the toilet and all that kind of stuff. It's not pleasant. It's not nice. It's not sexy. But they're digging trenches. Because they're saying, as long as there's an enemy out there, we aren't going anywhere. And I'm digging the trench because the trench is where we will defend. The trench is where we will stay. And the enemy can do what he likes, but we are here and we will not surrender. Can I tell you, it's time to be the kind of believers who know what it is to build, to dig a prayer, a trench of prayer. And to be able to say, I will continue to pray. Whether it's a week, whether it's a month, whether it's a year, whether it's a decade. I'll still pray. Because I don't ever want to get to heaven and hear God say, you gave up. I think we give up too often. I think we get discouraged too often because all we're looking at is what's happening in the earthly realm. And we forget, no, 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 there's another realm. There's another realm where there are angels on assignment. There's another realm where people are being positioned like those dominoes. And in God's right time, it's all going to come together. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. When I was in high school, my big brother, who was a successful airline pilot, in his spare time, he started renovating houses. And he always wanted to do it on the cheap. He always wanted to save money, which is a good thing. But one of his strategies was employing his younger brother <laughs> and working him to death for nothing. What he was paying me now when I look at him, I mean, I've had therapy, I'm, I'm over it, I, I love him, but he, he exploited me. And he would give me the hardest jobs. And I can remember one of the jobs he gave me, it was probably in the early days, he'd get this big sledgehammer thing and he said, Dave, we, we need to, we, we've got to get rid of that, um, concrete, those concrete steps out the front. So I've got a good job for you. Um, just you know, take the sledgehammer, just smash it up for me, will you? Just smash it up. Well, I don't know about you, but back in those days, when they put concrete steps in, they didn't ever think they would ever be taken away. They put reinforcement in them. They used concrete that's stronger than anything the earth has ever known before. And my big brother takes me out, puts me out there and says, just hit it. <laughs> just, you know, just hit it. So I just started hitting it. 
And I discovered, actually, it's going to take more than just one hit. <laughs> it's actually going to take quite a few hits. But I learned there's an art to hitting. There's an art to perseverance. You had to hit when you're smashing concrete the same spot. All the time, over and over. And you won't see any difference. It won't move. Nothing will happen. There'll be no sign of hope. Nothing will happen whatsoever. But if I found if you just keep on hitting, eventually, bang, there's going to be a little crack. And then if you keep on hitting, bang, it's going to get a little bit wider. And then I wonder if you persist, another bang, and a whole chunk is going to fall away. And I discovered you can take out an entire step of concrete just through persistence. Not a one-hit wonder. God save us from the one-hit wonder prayer services where we just think it's got to happen and it's got to happen now. I'm, so, I'm sorry. God doesn't work like that all the time. I believe in breakthrough. I believe in miracles. I believe that God can work in a moment. But I'm telling you, when it comes to friends and family and communities, we need to learn the art of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. We don't like that nowadays. We're all in a hurry. We all want instant results. But for some reason, God, God asks us to persist. For some reason, God says, no, 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 no. Keep on asking, Jesus said, and it will be given you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Keep on. Keep on. Can I encourage you as an individual? Can I encourage you as a church? Be a keeper-honorer, not a giver-upper. When it comes to praying for breakthrough for others. Can I invite the band to come? I haven't looked at the clock for a long time, so that will help me realize I probably need to come to an end. Final thing about breakthrough prayer is this. Is the band coming? Oh, there's one. <laughs> what is the time? Oh, there it is. 11, 11. Good. <laughs> I'd love us to um, be, we'll need more than one. Have we got, oh, there's another one. Can we put our hands together for the worship team? They do an awesome job. And it really was brilliant worship this morning. Just fantastic. I, I'd like us to sing in a moment's time that song, uh, He Never Fails. He never fails. That'd be wonderful if you can get ready to do that. But here's the final thing about prayer. You're not just passionate, not just persistent, but partnership prayer. Breakthrough prayer where we partner together. I love the fact that it was, the Bible says, many people had gathered and they were praying. Some, something powerful happens when we pray together. Something incredible. The Holy Spirit comes and fills that atmosphere, causes us to pray at another level of faith. And when our combined faith hits heaven and sent back down to earth, I'm telling you, it's at a whole new level. I can remember as a, a brand new Christian when I struggled with ill health or I, I just needed a miracle and I wasn't getting it when I was praying on my own. I had a, I had a, a phrase I used to say to myself, I'd, I'd say to the devil, I said, okay, you may not listen to me when I go to church on Sunday. <laughs> when I go to church on Sunday, I'm going to grab the pastor or I'm going to grab one of the leaders. I'm going to get out to the altar. I'm going to have someone pray with me. 
You may not listen to me, but I'm going to put my need on a prayer request. And they're going to be intercessors all across the church. They're going to be praying. And I discovered as an early, my theology may not have been very good, but I discovered one thing. I can pray on my own or I can pray in partnership. And when I pray in partnership, stuff always happens. That's why James was exhorting the church. <laughs> he said, so well, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Did you grab the language? Did you see? It's call the elders. It's pray for one another. Be part of a community so that your prayer can be in partnership because as we pray in partnership, things happen. Do you know the Holy Ghost came, Pentecost came as the church prayed together. It wasn't as the disciples were all scattered and as lone rangers, they were in their little rooms all across Jerusalem. No, no, no. It could have been like that. But God said, no, no, no. I'm going to establish a pattern. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to just uh, put a principle in place that when my people come together, that's when. There's a whole new dynamic of the Holy Spirit that will come. They came together and suddenly the Holy Spirit came. Can I say to you, don't be a lone ranger when it comes to prayer. Not just for your needs, but today as we're praying for community, as we're praying for loved ones, as we're praying for family members, don't just be that lone ranger in your room. Be that person, but also be the one that understands, no, 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 we're in this together. And as I said before, when the call from leadership comes, we need to pray. Can I ask? Oh, can I, can I plead with you? Put aside every other agenda. Put aside the lie that says I won't be missed. Put aside the doubts that say, well, my prayer won't make any difference. No, 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 no. Be in the room, be in the room, be in the room. When the call comes to pray, be in the room because your prayer is powerful. Your prayer does move heaven. I want you to stand to your feet if you would. And we're going to sing this song and we can sing it right from the start. That would be lovely. What I want you to do though is this is not just a nice little ending song of the nice service. This is the time to prepare. This is the time to gather our faith, gather our focus and say, no God, I will be a man and woman of prayer because you never fail. You always hear my prayer. You always see me when I pray and you never, ever fail. So we're going to sing this and then we're going to pray together. Come on, let's worship Him together. Focus on Him. This is my foundation. The rock on which I stand.
throne we pray to. The rock on which I stand on His faithfulness. Stand on His says through prayer there is no problem that can't be solved no sickness that can't be healed no burden that can't be lifted no storm that can't be weathered no devastation that can't be relieved no sorrow that can't be erased no poverty cycle that can't be broken through prayer There is no sinner that can't be saved, no perishing that can't be rescued, no fallen that can't be lifted, no hurt that can't be removed, no broken relationship that can't be mended. Through prayer, no difference that can't be resolved, no hindrance that can't be shaken, no limitation that can't be overcome, no mourning that can't be comforted, no ashes that can't become beauty, no heaviness that can't be covered with a garment of praise. Through prayer, no thirst that cannot be quenched, no hunger that can't be filled, no dry ground that can't be flooded, no desert that can't blossom, no congregation that can't be revived, no preacher that can't be anointed, no church pew that can't be filled, no team that can't become one, no community that cannot be one through prayer, no nation that cannot be transformed. Would you lift up your hands all across this place? Father, we thank You that God Your heart was moved that you loved the world so much that you sent your only son. And God, it's that same heart that responds when we cry out, when we intercede. God, when we come desperately because you're the only one who has the answer, when we recognize we can do so many things, but without your anointing, without your grace, Without your power, God, it's all just what we can do. So God, I pray for every man, every woman with their hands raised this morning. God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would give us that same compassion for those that are lost, for those that are in need. God, I pray that we would not be conformed to this world, that we would not become hardened, that we would not become disillusioned, that we would not look at it, but never let it register. But God, we would be moved by Your Spirit. Compassion. 
for the sick, for the hurting, for the bound, for the lost. Whether they're in our own homes, whether they're lying in the gutter in the street or sitting behind the corporate desk. God, wherever they are, Father, give us compassion that we can pray as you would have us to pray. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us, that you would lead us in that prayer, that when we run out of words, God, you would lead us in groanings that are too deep, that touch the very core of heaven, I pray. And Father, I pray for Encompass. I pray for the leadership here. God, there would be such a burden for prayer. And I pray for the heart of the church in every campus, that when the call to pray goes out, that there will be a readiness in every spirit saying, count me in. Count me in. I want to be the one that stands in the trench. I want my name to be counted. I want my voice to be heard in heaven. God, that when you move powerfully, God, I will know that I've been in partnership with the God of all creation. God, have mercy upon us. God, have we neglected our intimacy if we've neglected our responsibility. Forgive us. God, give us a brand new heart that longs for your presence and praise for the breakthrough of others, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.